This is an ABC podcast. Fierce. Girl power. This is the story of the girl who fought for women to play footy, Susan Alberti. Read by TV and radio presenter Carrie Bickmore. Sons of the Scrape, my lads, the boys of the bulldog breed. Susan Jenkins was too busy screaming to think much about the lyrics of her beloved team song. Come on, bulldogs, ball! She bustled for the best glimpse of the game between burly blokes more than twice her size. That was a mark! Kick straight! At just seven years old, she was one of the Footscray Bulldogs' proudest and loudest cheer squad members. Her dad would drop Susan and her brother Richard off at Melbourne's Western Oval first thing Saturday morning. And there they'd stay all day. They watched the juniors, the reserves and then the seniors, unflinching in their support. They were cheer squad diehards, Aussie rules tragics through and through. Tiny Susan stood right behind the goalpost, madly waving coloured streamers on sticks called floggers. She made the floggers herself, as well as buckets of confetti that were actually chopped up pages of old phone books. Susan was inventive. She had to be. Her family didn't have much cash to spare. They lived in a concrete panel housing commission home. They're places for people who struggle to pay rent. Nothing fancy. Her colourful crew of fellow football fans were grateful for her dedication and they kept their eyes on her. She was a kid after all, but she was also a little bit naughty. Susan, what the heck? In a rare moment, the cheer squad turned their backs to the game. There was smoke. There was fire. A big fire. A fire growing more ferocious by the minute right there on the sidelines. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Susan squeaked. She'd found some matches and thought she'd see if her floggers were fireproof. They burned. A lot. She was in trouble. Big trouble. So much trouble, she was banned for a while. A banning was a huge punishment for Susan because if there was one thing she loved more than cheering on her team, it was playing with the cheer squad at half-time. Susan was a ruck rover. Her job was to follow the ball all over the field and tackle other players. And wow, could she tackle. Susan was so strong, she could tackle anyone to the ground, boy or girl. But when she turned 15, her dad said she couldn't play anymore. She was ordered off the field and relegated to the sidelines for good. There were no all-girls teams back then and Susan's dad thought it was too rough for her to take on grown men. Besides, she knew the team song... The lyrics were beginning to make more sense. Sons of the Scray, my lads, the boys of the bulldog breed. Susan started to look at boys a bit differently after she gave up playing footy. She met a young Italian man at a dance and didn't want to tackle him. Odd. His name was Angelo Alberti and he was a builder. They fell in love and... Well, you know the rest. It was just like the movies. Susan took his name and joined his business, Alberti Constructions. 
Angelo handed the building side of things with a team of tradies, while Susan managed the paperwork and the finer details of their super successful deals. They were a dynamic duo, working round the clock and earning big bucks for their efforts. The Albertis thought their life was complete when they had a baby girl, Danielle, a peach-cheeked cherub and the apple of their eyes. They even renamed their business Danzu Constructions. Danzu was a mishmash of all their names to show that the whole family were in it together. But their shiny, happy world became gloomy and tragic in a snap one Sunday morning. Angelo was riding his motorbike when a garbage truck ploughed through a stop sign, smashing straight into him. He spent one month in intensive care before Susan made the agonising decision to turn off his life support. Susan was shattered. But what will you do about the business? Even in her overwhelming sadness, she couldn't avoid answering the questions. There were loads of staff to think about and huge projects underway. Angelo ran the worksite stuff, but rather than employ a replacement for him, Susan picked up her head, dusted off her hands and took over. She went back to school to learn how to build. And she didn't waste a moment. She sat in the front row of class every day, meticulously building up her knowledge brick by brick. She became one of the first women to be officially registered as a builder in the state of Victoria. And then it was back to business, almost as usual. Danielle had grown up and moved to New York City to work as an artist. With her daughter on the other side of the world, Susan was conquering the construction industry at home. But being a mum always came first. And when Danielle got sick, Susan dropped everything to help. Danielle had battled with type 1 diabetes since she was a kid, and at 32, her kidneys were failing. Susan decided there was only one thing to do. Donate a kidney to Danielle. She booked a flight for both of them back to Australia, where the surgery would take place. But on the way home, high up in the sky, came the lowest moment of Susan's life. She held Danielle close, trying to make her comfortable in the airplane seats. But her love wasn't enough. It was too late. Danielle died in her mum's arms among the clouds, nine hours from home. The pain of losing her family was almost too much to bear. But somehow, some way, Sue managed to find the strength to make three wishes. One, to find a cure for diabetes. Two, to see the Bulldogs win a grand final. And three, for women's football to be played professionally. Sue wasted no time trying to make her first wish come true. What can I do to help find a cure for diabetes? She asked a leading professor. Well, I'd like a new microscope, he said. She promptly paid the $10,000 he needed for the equipment. In the decades since, Sue has donated and raised millions and millions of dollars to help medical researchers. Her wish is still a work in progress, though. There's no cure for diabetes yet. But Sue promised Danielle she'd never give up, and she never will. 
Doggy, doggy, doggy. Woof, woof, woof. The deep, husky, belting chant from the grandstand didn't seem to fit the body it came from. Sue Alberti, renowned for her blonde, high-set hair, pearl jewellery and glitzy handbags, was still the club's loudest and proudest screamer. Her mighty Footscray, now known as the Western Bulldogs, had appointed her to their board. There were a few murmurs about a woman in the role, but quite frankly, the Bulldogs were struggling and there was no time for petty, old-fashioned attitudes. The Bulldogs hadn't won a grand final since 1954. They needed help. And Sue had the passion, skills and the money. She'd given the club millions from her own pocket and from her powerful connections. Some say her sparkly presence had the power to pull club sad sacks out of their misery and into a new sense of pride and hope. Her lifetime of dedication from cheering and waving floggers to funding equipment for the players paid off when the Bulldogs went head-to-head with the Sydney Swans in the 2016 Grand Final. Sue crossed her fingers with six minutes to go. She was running on adrenaline. She hadn't slept for days. She was desperate. But she wasn't the only one who was exhausted. Sue could see the swans were tired. They were slowing down. But her bulldogs were leading and still full of beans. You can do it, she roared. Come on! The bulldogs kicked a goal. And another. And another. He kicked it behind to make the margin 22 points. It's a quest that will be recounted from here till football eternity. The Bulldogs win the 2016 Grand Final for just the second time in their history. They're the champions. As the siren blew, Sue leapt from her seat and ran onto the ground. She was a VIP and could go wherever she wanted in the stadium. She made a beeline for the cheer squad behind the goalposts. Her people. Everyone was crying. Sue got lost in a sea of tears, handshakes and hugs. Hugs, handshakes and tears. One of the Bulldogs' key players, Jordan Ruffy Roughhead, picked Sue up and twirled her around like a windmill. We did it, she yelled. Our first flag in 62 years. 62 years. Her second wish had come true. Behind the chaos of the doggies winning a premiership, Sue was also working on her third wish. Tough and talented women across Australia were playing Aussie rules in local comps, but it was all for love. There was no money or fame in it, not like the men had. When the Victorian Women's Football League invited Sue to a luncheon, they were excited to tell her the state government had given them $6,000. $6,000? Measly, really. Sue nodded politely and handed over $25,000 on the spot. The women were gobsmacked. Thank you, Sue, they cried. They used the money to employ a manager. And above all, they felt valued. Someone was taking them seriously. Someone believed in them. And that someone was Sue. She continued to throw money at the women's comp, but more importantly, she threw her weight around. 
She knocked on door after door after door, demanding a prestigious, professional National Women's Comp now. It's time, she yelled in boardrooms. It's not a privilege for women to play football. It's a right. Exhibition matches proved Sue wasn't the only one who wanted to watch women play. Thousands of people poured into grandstands and more than one million tuned in at home on their televisions. I told you so, Sue smirked. And then finally, the moment she'd been waiting for since she was a little girl arrived. It was a game changer, literally. AFL Women's League to be launched in 2017. Her third wish had come true. Girls and women were lining up in droves to join teams in their hometowns. What was once just a dream was becoming a reality. They could not only play footy, but they could make a career out of it. Almost 400,000 women and girls were playing Aussie rules by the time the AFLW started. That's enough players to make more than 22,000 teams. Sue was almost ready to burst when she pulled on her red, white and blue scarf and set off for Witten Oval. She was on her way to watch the Western Bulldogs women's team play their first real game in the new comp. She walked slowly into the stadium and gasped. She could feel the electricity in the atmosphere. More than 10,000 footy fans were sitting shoulder to shoulder, pumped to watch the women. Red, white and blue Bulldogs fanatics dominated, but there was also plenty of purple and white, the colour of their opponents, the Fremantle Dockers. Sue scanned the seats, searching for her place, when all of a sudden the entire grandstand erupted into whistles and cheers. What's going on? Sue wondered. The players haven't even come out yet. She clapped along, confused. And then she realised. Men, women and children were on their feet. They were staring at her. They were smiling at her. They were cheering for her. It was a standing ovation just for Sue to thank her for bringing women's football to life. By the league's second season, the Bulldogs women had qualified for the grand final. They didn't want to leave Sue hanging for 62 years like the men. Two years was enough. It was going to be tough. Their opponents, the Brisbane Lions, had narrowly lost last year's cup and were determined not to be runners-up again. To make matters worse, it was raining. Pouring. Prince's Park was drenched and the ground squelched beneath the players' boots. The conditions were so miserable the Bulldogs didn't even score a goal in the first half. Yet their thousands of fans wouldn't give up hope. They'd queued for hours with their plastic ponchos and umbrellas, after all. Sue was trying not to panic. She screamed from her seat throughout the slow and slippery play. Come on, she roared. You can do it. Finally, the showers cleared for the third quarter and the Bulldogs got the ball about 50 metres from the posts. Kick, Sue yelled. Goal! They did it! The game picked up and the scoreboard ticked over. The Bulldogs were ahead, but not by much, and with seconds to go, the Lions needed just one goal to even the score. No! Sue yelled. As the Lions kicked, Bulldog Naomi Ferris leapt into the air, intercepting the ball. Champions in 2018. 
and there it was. The most welcome sound in the world. The Bulldogs won! Sue's eyes welled up as a voice from the field called for her to leap the fence. She ran into the players' arms and sang with them in her loudest, proudest voice. Daughters of the West, red, white and blue. We come out snarling. Bulldogs through and through. Bulldogs bite and bulldogs roar. We give our very best. But you can't beat the girls of the Bulldogs breed. We're the team of the mighty West. Daughters of the West, the girls of the Bulldogs breed. Football players, legends. Whew, that is one determined lady. Susan Alberti has done so much for women's sport and for diabetes research in the face of so much tragedy. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Fierce Girls. I'm Carrie Bickmore. I'm a radio and TV presenter and I started the Carrie's Beanies for Brain Cancer Foundation uh, with my goal, like Susan's to cure diabetes, my goal is to cure brain cancer and I'm so inspired by her passion and her dedication. You can hear more stories of Fierce Girls on the podcast like this one about legendary tennis player Yvonne Goolagong-Cawley. Yvonne Goolagong peeked through the tennis court fence. She'd never seen a game before, but it looked easy enough. Thwack! Thwack! She used a piece of wood from an apple crate to practice hitting against a brick wall. Thwack! The court owner was impressed. He invited her to play a real game. Thwack! All the adults whispered about Yvonne's star potential, while she buried her head in a fairy tale. Once upon a time, there was a girl who loved to play tennis. She was poor, but she practised and practised. She became so good, she went to Wimbledon. She won and lived happily ever after. Yvonne kept that story in her mind. And she practised and practised until she became the girl in the fairy tale. She made it to Wimbledon and won twice. Now she lives happily ever after, teaching Aboriginal kids like her how to play tennis. She shows them her old piece of wood. See this? It shows that you can start anywhere with anything. All you need is a dream. To hear more awesome episodes of the Fierce Girls podcast, go to the ABC Listen app or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Stay fierce, girls, and love those things about yourself that make you different. It's those things that make you special. Roll the credits. Fierce Girls is produced by a bunch of super fierce women. The executive producer is Justine Kelly. It's produced by Rebecca Armstrong, with a special thanks to Rachel Fountain. The stories are written by the uber-talented Samantha Turnbull. Judy Rapley is the amazing audio engineer who puts in the cool sound effects like this one. Kelly Reardon is the boss who lets us make fierce podcasts like this one. Fierce Girls is a production of the ABC Audio Studios 